Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Sing Anyway podcast. I have Grace Lazos here with me today. Grace, hello. Thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk about all this cool stuff with you today. Yes, me too. I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are, what you do, all of that good stuff. Yeah, so as mentioned, my name is Grace. I am an educator, an arts educator specifically, and a fat positive activist, and I live in New York City currently. Um, I am the founder of the first fat positive nonprofit theater company, Broadway Bods, here in New York. Woohoo! Uh, but me as a human, I am a music teacher. I teach middle school music up in the Bronx uh, at a public school. I love it so much, uh, really getting kids involved in the arts and having outlets for expression. And that's really kind of become my mission and goal as a person is to make sure that everyone has outlets for expression artistically, because I think it's really important, whether you are a child or as an adult, that that is a part of your life. Um, everyone needs an opportunity to express themselves. And so that's a lot of the work that I have been doing throughout my life. Uh, I am originally from Cleveland, Ohio, 216, mistake by the lake, and proud to be from there. Uh, <laughs> although Ohio is making some choices right now that we don't need to get into. Um, but I live in New York. So I'm from there. And from the age of 10 was my first musical that I was in. And I played a menopausal woman. Uh, it was Queen Agravain and Once Upon a Mattress. And basically from there, through my trajectory in life, I've been moms, villains, and sassy best friends. Uh, and there's more. There is more to the genre. And so it didn't really occur to me that that was an option until I was an adult. And I don't want anyone else to have that mindset. And I think as a society, we should get out of that mindset that fat people are not just sidekick characters. We're actually the main characters. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Best intro maybe ever. Like that was so beautiful and succinct and lovely. First of all, did not know you were from Cleveland. I'm in Cincinnati right now. So Ohio connection. <laughs> we love it. Um, I really relate to what you said about, um, you know, being cast as like the mother character when you're like 12. Um, and I, I guess like, when you were when you were that age and that happened to you like did you understand what was going on at that time like did you know that that was like an anti-fat bias thing like what what did you what were you what was going through your mind if you can remember yeah i at the very first show i was ever cast and i was just excited to be in a show and i was also excited because it was like I would I would call a supporting role. It was it was someone with a solo. Like I had a lot of lines, and so I was just excited. By the time I got to high school, I was very aware of what was happening. Um, and the anecdote that I used to really illustrate that was that one time my best friend we did the crucible because it was high school and you have to do the crucible at some point. It's a rite of passage. Um, so we were doing the crucible, and I auditioned for Abigail Williams, and she auditioned for Elizabeth Proctor. She was older than me. We were really not that much different in size, but I was a little bigger than her and our director flopped us. So I was Elizabeth Proctor, the mom, and she was Abigail Williams, the young sexy one. So it became very clear to me in high school that like romantic lead interest things were just not going to be something that I was considered for. And I was already in depths of eating disorder land. So it really just kind of fueled the fire. Um, and 
it made me very aware of like, if I want to do these things and play these roles and I need to make myself look different. Um, and I stand by the fact that I would not be here today as a human person if I had continued pursuing a degree in musical theater at that point in my life. Um, this was now 10 years ago, but if, if I had stayed on that path and stayed in like the industry and the industry mindset and gone into like a conservatory program, just the horror stories that I hear from my friends who are thinner than me that have done that, like, I don't, I don't think I would have survived. Um, so I didn't do it. And that was because I was scared of like, I'm either going to hurt myself or I'm going to hurt my body or both. Um, yeah, so that's, high school was really when I became aware of it as a thing, but it was always around and it, like comments that less so directors or like people professionally when I was a child, but like my family would say to me. Um, so it was more systemically prevalent as I got older. Right, right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, I, I wonder, like, it just hearing you say that and based on my own experience too like it just saddens me so much like how many people don't pursue that career path because of i mean just the discriminatory behavior and the fact that it's very much legal there are no protections against it um and, and you know the people that we do see on broadway and larger bodies are have like have to be so perfect and have like I don't know, I just feel like they have to work like five times harder, have to just be on their game, have to be so, so high level, whereas many of their other smaller peers can just, you know, be pretty good and get cast in a lot of things. Yep. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I, I just think it's it's useful for, for people listening to, to really hear that. Um, so what did you end up doing uh, for college if you didn't go into music, if, if you'd like to share? Still did music, uh, but did opera. And um, because senior year of high school, my voice teacher, I had to prep a class, you know, a good old Italian 24 uh, for some like choir solo and ensemble thing. I don't mm -hmm. remember what it was, but I, I prepped it with him and he was like, oh, you can sing this. Like, why are you not? And I was like, I don't know. I don't really care about it. And he was like, okay, let's maybe consider opera because not everybody can do that and you can and so i was like oh okay uh and literally that year i put together an audition package and auditioned for schools and ended up uh at carnegie mellon which i am very grateful for my vocal teacher jen elmer i will shout her to the high heaven she is the queen of my life she is the reason that i am where i am um but she was like i want to be your voice teacher so i studied with her and I am very grateful, even though I don't sing a lot of opera now for the musicianship that I learned, like so much of it was theory and reading music and reading rhythm and becoming a really good musician. And that was absolutely what I needed. Um, at that point, I was still learning a lot of things by ear. I could read music, but like reading rhythms, ha 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 ha, silly, silly jokes. Same. <laughs> um, yeah, so I got good at that and I'm really grateful for it. And there is... It's still there, but much less of a size bias in classical art. And I think it's because a lot of people 
who are very successful in that field are built bigger because you need to physically have the space in your body to resonate and make that amount of noise. Not everybody, but even like the thin straight sized people in that field are not like what we would consider a Broadway body. Like there are very few highfalutin, like at the top of their game opera singers who aren't like, like sturdy looking. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah. And so I, what I appreciated about opera was that there was way less, like also when I talk about gender bias, you got people like men play women, women play men, everything's made up and the points don't matter. Like it was so much more about, can you sing this rather than what do you look like? Mm. And I think that's because a lot of opera is more fantasy. Um, So like, what does Titania the Fairy Queen look like? Who's to say? we don't know, that's not a real thing that exists. Uh, and in musical theater, we do have fantastical elements, but I think we get a lot more stories of real people as opposed to historical, magical, fairy tale kind of things, which are what a lot of opera is based on. Right, yeah, it's it's nice to hear you reflect that back to me because my background's in opera too. And yeah, woo! And um, I agree with you. I think the nice thing about that genre is that they're they're more paying attention. Like, can you sing this? And to me, that is the most important thing. It's the same. It's the same way I feel about musical theater. If you can sing this part, why shouldn't you play it, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. And so I feel like for myself too, like I was able to play so many different ingenues in opera, which would have never happened for me in musical theater. And you're so right about needing to have kind of that that sturdier, like I guess a thicker body to really, I mean, you have to sing over orchestras, you have to sing to the back of halls. Like it's a, it's a physiological anatomical thing that needs to happen. So I think, yeah, there's there's so much more representation in opera. And also of course there is, there are still people out there that are, um, fat phobic in that industry, unfortunately. Um, but I do agree with literally everything you said. I, I wanted to ask, cause when you were sp- speaking about that, I was talking to somebody else a few months ago who, um, is also in a larger body. And she was saying that she feels like with all of her, um, plus size friends that a lot of them were pushed into opera because they were plus size. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think, I mean, now that you say it, like, yeah. And in my program, we called ourselves like the fat, funny musical theater people. um, Because we were like, well, we can sing everything that they can do, but we also don't spend three hours a day working out. Um, So so yeah, I I do think that people are like, oh, well, you're a fat person and you can sing loud. So therefore opera right. uh and i definitely think that there were people in my program who were probably more suited for musical theater but weren't um the theater school at, at carnegie mellon is called purnell and so they weren't purnell pretty and so weren't there mm-hmm. and transferring in is extremely extremely competitive that's not like you can't like switch majors and be like oh i'm gonna do musical theater now like it's a whole internal review audition process thing like it's a it's a whole big hoot nanny even though you got in to the school for vocal performance so they know you can sing i guess it would just be dance but 
neither here nor there. I, I agree with you that I do, I do think that it is something of like, you can still sing fatty, but just over here in this corner. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what that's what I felt too. Like, I wanted to study musical theater in high school, and everybody was like, "No, you do opera," and I'm like, "But I don't want to." Like, it was sort of like, you know, kind of the same thing you said. Like, well, no, you know, not many people can sing opera, so you should just go do that. But I'm like, there is there is a body aspect of it where people look at you and they think you don't look like you're on Broadway, right? You don't have the Broadway body. Um, and I mean, I, I hope like, I hope in my deepest of heart that that is changing. Um, I think you're doing work that makes me believe that that is changing. I think what you're doing is so, so important. Um, I want to ask you like, on a more zoomed out level, what do you feel like are some changes that can be made, I guess, either in like the high school level or the college level um, to be more inclusive of people in larger bodies oh my god cast fat people as romantic leads oh my god like lit literally such a basic thing but if you look at musical theater and the structure i think a lot of the quote-unquote perceived or pushed out concern is well their bodies can't move like the skinny peoples who does the most dancing in musicals the ensemble, right? Who's doing like the flips and kicks and all of that stuff? That's the ensemble. Now, also fat people can do flips and kicks and dancing things and all of these things. I, I, have, a, I have a show that can show you that. And also leads do less of that. So why in the world, if you have a lead in a show that's not particularly like physically demanding, like there's not something that they're, that you're saying like, we need you to hang from aerial silks and there's a weight limit on it. If you're not doing that, why are they not? And they can sing it. Why are they not doing that? And the answer is that we get a lot of time is like, well, that's not believable. Why is it unbelievable that fat people can be in a relationship and find love? Why is that unbelievable? Why is that a fantastical element? Cause I'll tell you, I'm a fat lady right now. I'm getting married. It happens. So, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's so true. Like, that's the whole thing with representation is like, we create this representation that like fat people like aren't in love and don't fall in love and like don't have sex and like don't have romance. And I'm like, go talk to anybody. Like, that is a thing that all of us experience. It really is. And you know, what's crazy is sometimes they're not even fat too. So it's not even like you have to put right. two fat people together because people of different body sizes can like each other and find each other desirable. It's a real thing. But I, I think that stigma honestly is what is holding a lot of the industry back is, is the concept of like, we view fat as a moral failing and therefore we don't want to cast fat people in the good person roles because they failed morally. So how can we believe that they're our hero? How can we believe that they are the good, desirable character to be? Um, and the answer is we can because, it, and like, I, I had this conversation last night with a number of members of my cast. The when, when you say like, oh, I'm fat and people go, no, you're not. You're my friend. No, you're not. You're beautiful. I didn't say that I was ugly. I said, I'm a fat person and that is okay. It's not an insult, it's just a descriptor. And it doesn't, I'm not saying I'm a bad person. 
And if you have that conflated in your head, you need to figure that out. Right. Absolutely. I, I think, yeah, that, that word is, it's become, what's well, not become so loaded. It's been loaded forever, but I think people really struggle to understand, like, it's the same thing as describing myself as thin. It's just a description of what I look like. Like, mm -hmm. and people do conflate, like, I never thought about the reason why people, why um, fat people aren't cast in leading roles is because people think being fat is a moral failing. I never even put that connection together. So thank you for like connecting those dots for me because that's it. Like that makes yep. a lot of sense to me that that's why people continuously put the same looking person in the lead role. And I think another, another added layer to this is, I don't know if this is like, if this is just me like making a connection where there isn't one, but I feel like they often try to cast the person in a leading role that looks like the person who originally played the leading role. Do you also oh, yeah. feel that? Yeah. A lot of the time. I don't understand uh, that. I don't either. Why do you want a carbon cut out? Like again, unless there's something in the script, like for instance, we're doing wild party right now. Queenie was a blonde is a line that they literally repeat like 1500,000 times. So she has to have blonde hair. Our Queenie doesn't have blonde hair. Guess what? We got her a wig. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I know. But there are people who would be like, well, we have to cast a blonde girl. Right. Cause she's, cause she's blonde or like we have to make her dye her hair. We, we have come up as a society, we have come up with so many different tools to, to change our appearance, to like dress up and have fun. So I don't, and, and I mean, unfortunately, one of those things that we've created is a fat suit. So you can play pretend as a fat person and then take it off. And, but if you're doing that, why not just cast an actual fat person? Oh, I could talk to you about that for several hours. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I, I'm curious. I would love to know like how Broadway bods came to be like, when was the first like little spark of the idea for you? So summer into fall. So like August to October, 2021, I so I started a fashion Instagram because I found that when I put together a cute outfit to go to work, it made me want to go to work more. Um, and I was working in person during the pandemic. And so I was not having a great time. I did not love that. So what helped calm my little brain was I put together my little outfits and then I put them on the internet and people were like, Ooh, fun outfit. So I built up a, a small, but still sizable community of people that I met. And I started like, I did, events with New York City Plus. I started going to Power Plus Wellness events. Um, and so I was building this community of marvelous fat women. And I was like, this is really cool. Um, I wonder if there's a niche for the thing that I like doing in this community. And so I started looking if there were like plus size performer groups. Um, I found Curvy Artist Collective. They have a Facebook page and an Instagram. If you don't follow them, you should. Um, but they're more of a collection of people who are artists already, who are like doing things, uh, supporting each other's work, like talking about what they're doing, like, oh, hey, I have a single coming out or like, I'm in this show, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. So it's lovely, but it's not necessarily like a centralized company. Um, 
And it, it is what it says. It's an artist collective. So that, but that was really the only thing that I found except for uh, there's a company in Toronto called Everybody on Stage. And they're also a size inclusive organization, but they're in Canada. So in the US currently, from my research, there was not another prominent plus size specific arts organization. And so I said, what if I made one? Because I had some friends over the pandemic do like Zoom readings or like everyone would pick a role in a musical and they would sing it together at someone's house and stuff like do little like fun workshops and stuff. So that was kind of the original idea was like, maybe we get together and just like sing a show or do a show. And that was the first thing that we did. Um, we did a workshop of 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Um, so we just got a, a room in a rehearsal studio and everybody like had their scripts and they just got to like sing the role and read the role and we had fun. And that was what we did. And that was the very first thing we did. And that was in October, 2021. And the response I got from that was so good that I was like, okay, so now we need a public facing thing that people can come to because everyone just kept asking like, can I invite people to this? So then we did a cabaret uh, and that sold out <laughs> in uh, the first the first cabaret we did. So that was on the Upper West Side and it was the against type cabaret. So again, the idea is sing whatever you want, as long as you can sing it, why would you not? Uh, and I we got even more people from that. And so from that going into this year, I, I built out a board. Um, we like now have a season where we're planning for next season. I have, and it, it just grew like the interest from people is what made it keep going. And originally I just kept saying like, I want to do the last five years. I want to do the last five years. It's a two hander show. It'll be, we won't have to like have a lot of people. It's really minimal, blah, 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 all this stuff. And then when it came time to like actually getting the rights, I went to my board and I was like, I think we need to do a bigger show. Cause I think we have too many people that we could. And also we need to sell tickets and the more people that are in a cast, then the more people that come to the show. And if we only do a two person show that that's, a, that's putting a lot of pressure on them to fill the seat. Um, and they said, I think you're right. And so they pitched a bunch of ideas and the one that we all kind of solidified on was, was wild party. But yeah, so truly it has been from social media, like in Instagram primarily, um, made a page and like had a Google interest form. And now just people come in and they follow and they DM and they do all this stuff and it's awesome. Um, and it has grown exponentially particularly this past year uh we went from like 100 to now almost 800 followers so yeah oh my gosh <laughs> i mean i just want to say like thank you for doing like for doing that like thank you for for filling that need and also just like again like we always say create you know be the representation you want to see like you are creating an entire community of people that desperately need this um yeah. so like Thank you so much. Like when I came across your page, I was just like, I almost like couldn't believe that it was real. Like that—that's yeah, it's real, baby. That's that's the feeling that I got. I was like, wait, what? And I like so badly wish I was in New York because I would love to be a part of it. But like, I'm so glad that that 
you're just serving a community of people that deserve to sing the roles that they've always wanted to sing. I mean, I can't think of a better gift than that. And we're trying to expand, uh, like we probably can't do performances on a wider scale, but I mean, maybe one day we'll go on tour, who knows? But um, the we're in the fall, we were talking about doing a 10 minute play festival. And so even if you're not in New York, you can still submit to that and we'll produce your work. Um, so if, if you are a writer, shout out to anyone who's out there. If you are a fat playwright, we want your stuff. Because uh, I want to create art that's new and also buy, like I, I want every aspect of our process to have plus size people a part of it. And it's, it's kind of like when we talk about DEI practices in terms of race, how if you do ragtime, great, a show that has actual roles for Black people in it, fantastic. And also, is your, do you have a Black director? Is your production team Black? Do you have a Black costumer? Like who, who else is that representation? Because if you have a show that has a group of Black people in it, and then they are alienated that they are the only Black people in the whole rest of the room and the team, you're not actually solving the problem. And so if I say like, great, we have a cast full of fat people and then everyone else is straight size who's working with them. I, the biggest thing I will never, likely never, unless you show me a portfolio of work that can guarantee me that you know how to costume larger bodies, I will never ever let my performers have, because I know a lot of them carry trauma from like costuming in in their lives in the show and that is not that's like a big hard stop for me what we are not doing is making people feel like oh there's nothing that fits you mm, we'll find it we'll get it like you are taken care of here um yeah so all of that circling back <laughs> to say if if you are a plus size person who's not in the new york area there are opportunities for you to still engage with broadway bots <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point about the costuming. I mean, so much of my like theatrical trauma is from being in costume fittings. Um, and I think a lot of us share that. So I think that is so, so important. And I love that you said like that you're you're making people feel taken care of because that's all anybody ever wants. We mm -hmm. just want to feel safe and seen and heard and taken care of and lifted up by by the people we're working with. And then unfortunately, sometimes that's a big ask because of a lot of the way that the industry runs. So again, thank you for fulfilling that need. Uh, I just can't say it enough. Um, I would love to know like what your vision and goals are for the future for Broadway Bods. So vision and goals for the future are honestly to get more funding. Uh, the biggest thing right now is money. Um, this started because, you know, rest in peace. Thank you. Yeah. But my, my grandmother passed away last year and I asked my partner like, Hey, how would you feel about me using some of this inheritance to invest in Broadway bods? Uh, and that's how this show came to be is from that initial investment. But, you know, things like getting grants, we have a Patreon. You can subscribe to a Patreon. Uh, so we get recurring donations. Uh, we have like smaller scale shows at a local bar here in Brooklyn. Um, 
that like they don't charge us to use their venue, which is marvelous. But you know, thing things that are just like steady income so that we can make sure that we have what we need because space in New York is very expensive, thousands of dollars to rent theaters and, and other things. And so that's that's really the big thing is making sure that we have more consistent, predictable financials so that we can do bigger projects. Uh, so right now, we are we have our first fully staged show going up in a week. Yay, that's the wild party. And then the summer, we're gonna be launching some cute things. Stay tuned. They're not performances, but they are things that you could maybe purchase, get ready. Um, so that's coming in the summer. And then next year, I said the 10 minute play festival in the fall, we wanna put up. And then in the spring, doing another fully staged show. Uh, and our goal, knock on wood, is to do In the Heights, which is a bigger show, but we need a real set for it, which means we need money. So should we get the grants and all of the good things, then that is the goal. So yeah, that's kind of what's on tap for, for next season. That is so exciting. Um, I will make sure to link all of those things in the show notes so people can go donate and all of that stuff. Um, I, I appreciate, like I know, running anything i mean i am running my own business and that's a totally different thing like running a theater company where you need lots of funding is insane so thank you for like persisting with your dream because i know that that can sometimes feel at least from my experience like so um i don't know just tough to work through it's overwhelming the the process of applying for nonprofit status also if anyone is ever considering that just go on legal zoom pay the fees. It is worth it. It saves you so much time. Ask LegalZoom to do paperwork for you. It's very helpful. That is, that's my, my nonprofit director <laughs> plug. We love LegalZoom. Um, and then I'm also very fortunate that my cousin-in-law, um, so she married my cousin and is a board member now, but she has her master's in nonprofit management. And so she just doesn't know like the arts component of stuff. So I can tell her like, these are the things that we purchase and it costs X amount of money. And she's like, cool, let me go find ways we can fund and, and do things from that from like companies basically, like they can give us money instead. So I also recommend find you a partner who has know-how of like, running th business acumen if you have anyone in your life who did any business school or has an mba and cares about your passion project that's that's who you need to find um so i'm i'm very lucky in that i have collected people with incredible skill sets who believe in me so i i have christina um reagan hanky uh also if then create on social media she built our website um, is also the maid of honor in my wedding. I love her very much. Uh, but she has been hugely instrumental in making sure that all of our tech is also accessible because that's her speciality. So like making sure that everything that we have can be read by a screen reader. Um, everything is like within the right contrast so that people can read it. Uh, that, you know, every accommodation that we can provide to make knowing about us accessible, she has done and put at the forefront of her work. My, our community liaison, Molly, if you like our Instagram, almost all of the fun captions are written by her. Uh, Pat, our artistic director, makes all of the stuff, the little cute designs that you see on the Instagram. He like designs and doodles that and then Molly posts it. So uh, he, 
runs all of the little shows that we've done. He's doing technical directing for our show. Like I have a team of incredibly talented people. And sometimes I can't believe that they all agreed to like do this crazy thing with me. Um, but I just want to shout them all out because I am so grateful to have them. So building a team is so important. You can't do it all yourself. I couldn't, I can't do it all myself. I, I would not be here. This would not, this show would not be happening if it was not for this group of people. So yeah. Thank That's... you for, thank you for highlighting all of those people that are doing amazing work. Um, yeah, it literally takes a village. Like you need yes. a team to help you realize all the dreams. I think that's so beautiful. And I really appreciate you telling me all of their names because thank you to all of you. <laughs> um, mm. As we wrap up here, I would love to know um, if there's one piece of advice that somebody gave to you that you felt like was important for your, I don't know, life's journey, singing journey, theatrical journey. Uh, a lot of people in my life know this story um, and it, it sounds like a name drop. It is not meant to be, <laughs> but uh, I did an apprenticeship at the Cleveland Playhouse. I was their education and curriculum apprentice. Um, and that was in between my partner went back to law school. And so I was, I did that. And then I moved back to the city. Um, so I did the apprenticeship and one of the opportunities that we got was Cleveland Playhouse that season was doing Pipeline by Dominique Morisot. And so she came and did a talk with a lot of uh, the board members, major patrons of the theater, and we were invited to go to that as well. And so we went to this talk and there was a point at the end where they had questions. And my favorite question to ask people who are successful in the industry that I am is, what were you doing when you were 22 or 23? Because now you're usually like, it's people in their 30s, 40s, 50s later who are now very successful and are like, hey, all of this cool stuff, but they don't really talk about when you were struggling and you didn't get the break yet. What did you do to get the break? And she said, I made art with my friends. Like I, we wrote our little shows and we would read them in each other's apartments and just like read through and give each other feedback. And we would and find ways to like put up our little 10 minute plays and like find spaces that we could do this. And that's what we did. I, and I asked my friends and they were my resource and I made art with my friends and then it kept going. And so this whole process and this whole experience with the organization, I just keep being like, this started because I made art with my friends. I put out a call and my friends were all like, hey, this is a cool idea. Like we wanna help you. And that's how we got to where we are here. So it it really truly is, if you if you build it, they will come. And there there is somebody out there who had the same idea, but didn't know how to do it. And if someone just takes the first step, there are people who are going to help you and people who will know more than you that you can learn from that are going to be resources and just celebrate them and be grateful for them and tell them constantly how grateful you are because they will be your friends and they will appreciate it and then you will make art together. So that is the best thing I have ever gotten from ever anyone is Dominique Morisot telling me to make art with my friends and thank you because I am and it's pretty phenomenal. Wow. That's a great, great, great story. Oh, thank you for sharing that. And that's really gonna stick with me. That was really, really moving. Oh, 
Wow. You're amazing. Um, <laughs> so can you just tell us, just recap all of the stuff, all the dates and things for Wild Party and the upcoming projects and how people can purchase tickets and all of that stuff? Yes. So Wild Party is going to be at the Crane Theater on East 4th Street, April 28th to 30th. Our shows are at 7 p.m. on April 28th and 29th and 2 p.m. on April 30th. Uh, we're inviting you, so come on down. You can get your tickets at uh, Frigid Theater. It's Crane Theater, but if you search uh, Frigid NYC, that's the booking. Yeah, Frigid New York. That's the ticket link. I'm going to drop the link to you right now in the chat as well so that you have it. Thank you. Great. Uh, so that's that one. And then coming up in May, we have May Musical Mayhem, which is a trivia game that's going to be at Good Judy Bar in Brooklyn. And then um, we will have a Tony's watch party hosted by Broadway Bods on June 11th at QED Bar in Astoria. And we will also have a couple of cabarets from some of our fabulous members coming up this summer as well. And it is not a date TBD, but if you're in the New York area and you want to party with us, we also have a gala coming up at the end of June. So you can come and eat snacks and hear some selections of our fabulous people and support Broadway Bods by getting tickets for it. So yeah. Um, and then we have our Patreon as well, which I will be dropped in the show notes. And it's also here for you, so you can have it. <laughs> there you. it is. Uh, and that's all of our things. You can check us out on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are there. We don't have a Twitter. Um, I don't think anyone wants us to have a Twitter. Our Instagram is more interesting. So yeah, these are all the things. Perfect. Okay. I will make sure I link all of that. And last thing I want to ask you that I like to ask all my guests, um, what is one thing that you'd like to thank your voice for? I'd like to thank my voice for speaking up because if it didn't, this wouldn't have happened. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Mic drop for that one. Um, amazing. Cool. Well, Grace, thank you so much for coming on today. This was like such a beautiful conversation. And as I said before, the work you're doing is immensely important, which you know. Um, so thank you for for building building the ship. Thank you for having me. It was so lovely to meet you. I love all the things that you are doing. Be so proud of yourself and let me know if there's anything else you ever need. Yeah, okay, thank you. <laughs>